0: Well, has Christianity had its day? Uh, in our culture, at least it seems, Christianity's on the way out. Uh, the media is more than happy to re- uh, report the steady decline in church attendance. And while there's a the recognition that church has done good things, it's kind of felt like it's done more damage than good. If there's a Christian character on a TV show or in a movie, uh, they're usually the fool or just plain useless. You know, they're the laughable, pathetic character. If there's a talkback show like Q&A or The Project, well, Christians are only brought on to be laughed at, you know, put on display so that the world can see just how silly and outdated and, in fact, how immoral Christians are. So it can feel like, at least here in Australia, Christianity is on the decline. No-one's interested. Christianity is just the next dinosaur (laughs) waiting to go into extinction. And so, in all honesty, would it be better off if we just packed up and went home? Imagine if this year we cancelled church. No church meetings, no growth groups, no teams, nothing to worry about, no commitments. You could be home right now, sipping a nice iced cool drink. You could be reading a paper, maybe a book, watching a movie. You could be relaxing over your weekend. Maybe, you know what, maybe all the energy and the commitment and the effort that you put into following Christ with all of us here... Maybe maybe it's just a waste of time. Life would be a whole lot easier if we didn't have to factor following Christ into everything that we do. And anyway, hasn't Christianity had its day? Aren't we better off just packing up, going home? We're starting this new series in the book of Colossians, and the small church in the city of Colossae was wondering, is it really worth it sticking it out in their following of Jesus? And so the Apostle Paul wrote him a letter to remind them, to convince them, to urge them that following Christ, it is the most fantastic thing you could ever do. No matter what the pressures, no matter what anyone says or does, the Lord Jesus is all you will ever need. And so trusting him is the best thing you could do. Let's have a look. Let's get introduced to the Colossians. Look at it there from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. So this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, sent by Christ, and he's writing to the Christians in Colossae. And look, just to give you a bit of a feel for the church in Colossae, let me tell you about Joe. Uh, Joe has lived all his life in Colossae. Uh, he's one of the many shepherds in the area because Colossi is famous for its wool. Uh, the city's on a trade route, so there's business to be had. Though for Joe, his trade has been going a little bit slower because there's a couple of other cities in the area and they're getting larger while Colossi is getting smaller. Colossi is pretty multi- multicultural. So there's the Greeks, there's the Phrygians, and there's a a sizable number of Jews in the city. And so as a result, there are more gods on offer than there are food choices at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Uh, Joe had been especially partial to the god Artemis. And that's because just 160 k's up the road is the big city of Ephesus. And in Ephesus is the great temple to Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And so not surprisingly, Artemis has got a pretty big following in Colossae, but so has Zeus and Athena and a host of all the other gods and goddesses that they have. Almost everyone paid homage to them all in some way. And then, of course, there's the Jews and their god. One of Joe's buddies was a fellow by the name of Epaphras. Uh, He left town for a bit, but when Epaphras came back, he was a new man because he had found out about yet another god, A new God. And Epaphras couldn't help telling everyone about this Christ Jesus figure. Joe thought it was a bit of a funny name for a God. But the more he listened to Epaphras, the more he liked the sound of this Christ. In fact, Joe had even started following this Christ. Now, it had meant giving up on Artemis and all the other gods because this Christ claimed to be the only God. And giving up on his old gods wasn't easy. Joe's family didn't like the idea that he now thought that their gods didn't even exist. He and Epaphras had lost most of their friends over it. Fewer and fewer people were willing to trade with Joe down at the marketplace. People would laugh at him as he walked down the street. Whenever Joe saw his old mates, they'd pressure him into coming back to Artemis. Life wasn't easy. Now they say there's safety in numbers. But not many people had become followers of this Christ as their God. And so their church was small. And they were feeling insignificant and insecure. And on top of all this, there were some new people hanging around their church. These new people, they'd heard of this Jesus Christ as well. But they were saying that actually Jesus wasn't good enough to be able to give them eternal life. What they were saying was different to what Epaphras had said. So who was right? Well, it was Sunday again. And so the small church of Colossae were about to meet for the week. But this time there was a bit of an excitement in the air because word had got around that the Apostle Paul had written them a letter. Paul was the one that Epaphras had learned about Jesus from. And now Paul was writing to the church in Colossae. And Joe couldn't wait to hear what the Apostle Paul had to say. Were they on the right track? Had Epaphras got it right in the things that he had taught them about Jesus Christ? And it's into all this pressure and insecurity and confusion that we come to verse 3, where the Apostle Paul says to them, look at there in verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Friends, can you imagine the relief in that room when they read those words for that first time? The Apostle Paul says we're right to have our faith in Christ. He thanks God for us. Epaphras got it right. And Paul wants them to know that with Epaphras, they're in good hands. Skip very quickly down to verse 7. Look at it there in verse 7. You learned it, that is the truth about Christ, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. Paul's saying Epaphras got it right. He taught them about Christ faithfully. And so Paul's written, he wrote this letter to encourage the Colossian Christians. They were right to put their faith in Christ, in God, and they should continue to put their faith in God. The whole letter, it is a stirring read. It is encouraging them, it is encouraging us to continue placing our faith in Christ as our God. There are two main ways at the start of the letter that Paul encourages them to keep following Christ. And the first way that Paul encourages them is by highlighting that God himself is at work in them. So, as we just read in verse 3, Paul thanks God that they put their faith in Christ. Them believing in Christ as their God, that in itself is the work of God. That's why Paul thanks God for their faith, because without God, they wouldn't have their faith in Christ. I don't know if you can remember, but back in 1997, Tony Bullimore was sailing solo around the world when his yacht capsized. Uh, everyone thought he was dead. But he managed to survive in an air pocket in his upside-down yacht uh, in pitch darkness. So he's stranded in the Southern Ocean, two and a half thousand kilometres off the coast of Australia. He lost all his food supplies except for one chocolate bar. You've got to hope it's one of those giant Toblerone ones, don't you? <laughs> For four days and four nights, he's bobbing up and down under his capsized yacht out in the endless ocean. But after four days, the Australian Navy finally found him. They sent out a a boat to rescue him. And when Tony finally put his feet back on the ground, who do you think he thanked? If it wasn't for the Australian Navy, he wouldn't even have his feet on the ground. If it wasn't for God... The Colossians wouldn't even have their faith in Christ. And so who does Paul thank? He thanks God for them and their faith in Christ. God is at work in them. It is a very encouraging thing to say. I thank God for you. Because you stepped in and taught kids church at the last minute. I thank God for you. Because you went and sat next to that person who was sitting by themselves. I thank God for you because you sat and listened to that person in their grief. To say I thank God for you is to say that God's at work in you and what he is doing is marvellous. But not only had God given them faith, God was also at work in them by giving them hope. In fact, this hope is what had produced their faith. So look at now verse 5. Paul's just given thanks for their faith and their love. Verse 5. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. This is the hope of eternal life. This is the hope of having your sins forgiven so that you will be welcomed by God into eternal life. This is the hope that after we bury you in the ground or after we cremate you, you will have life with God forever. And this hope of God, of eternal life, rests entirely on the shoulders of Jesus Christ because he is the one who has died for our sins. He is the only one who can save us from our sin, from from death, from the judgment of God. In Christ, God gives us the hope of eternal life. Of course you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine Tony Bullimore? Bobbing in the ocean for four days. And when the Navy comes to rescue him, he tells them, It's okay. I'm fine. Can you imagine the sailors stretching out their arms to pull him in their boat? But he insists he's okay. He doesn't need them. Friends, millions of people have heard of Christ, but not everyone understands that he's the only way they can be saved. They don't think they need him. Not everyone understands he's the only hope we have. They insist they'll be fine without him. They'll just keep sailing on as the captain of their own ship. And they turn their back on the hope of Christ and the hope of eternal life. Friends, do not let that be you. If you're here today and you don't yet put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, please understand he is the only way you can be saved. The only one who can give you eternal life. Make sure you come here on Tuesday to our live series, won't you? Come and hear more about him. Ask God to help you to put your trust in him. For the Colossians and for those of us here who do believe in Christ, Paul's encouraging us by telling us of God's work. God himself has given us hope in Christ. He's given us faith in Christ and a love for his people. God has been at work in you. And so keep going with that work. Keep your faith in Christ. But Paul's encouragement of them isn't just that God's been at work in them. The second encouragement Paul gives in these opening verses is that God has also been at work all over the world. So exactly what's been happening amongst the Colossians, God's been doing that all over the place. And so the Colossians might feel small, They might feel overwhelmed and overpowered by all the gods and goddesses in their culture with their massive, impressive temples and their religions that have been around for centuries. And as followers of this God called Christ, they might feel small and isolated and, frankly, a little bit useless. But Paul wants to open their eyes to the fact they are part of the biggest thing that is going on on the planet. They are not alone. God has been at work bringing people from all over the world to Christ. Look at it there from verse 6. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. See, the gospel of Jesus, the news of God's grace, his forgiveness, his kindness in willing to take sinners and bring them to himself and give them eternal life. This message of life and salvation and hope, it has been bearing fruit and growing all over the world, Paul says. People are becoming Christians all over the place. It's literally like a vine, you know, spreading its tendrils out. It starts in one place, but it just keeps growing up and out and growing every which way. We've got a jasmine vine that's outside our window, our bedroom window at home. We're not very good at growing things, killing things. that's a bit of a specialty. Growing things, though. This jasmine vine doesn't seem to need us. It's doing just fine. Started out small at the base, but it's grown up, out, left, right. I can't even see the fence. It's just like the Gospel of Jesus. It started in Jerusalem just 30 years before this letter was written, but now it's spread out and growing all over the world. It's even got to Colossae, for crying out loud. Can you hear what Paul's saying to this small church? There are people with their faith in Christ all over the world. Exactly the same things that are happening to you, they've been happening all over the place. Do not feel small or insignificant or useless. People everywhere are putting their faith in Christ. We've heard a little bit this morning about what's happening in Cambodia and Laos. Uh, We've got some friends ourselves who are missionaries in Africa. Uh, The church they're in is very small. Uh, It's largely an Islamic area where they are, and it's heavily into animism and witch doctoring. To be a believer in the place where they are is very tough. So there's one fellow who's uh, in the villages where they're at, and uh, he's a married man, but after getting married, he's become a Christian. His wife's family don't like it. In fact, they don't like it so much. They have told him that if he doesn't come back to being a Muslim, they'll take his wife from him and his kids. Imagine that. Just for following Jesus, you have now lost your family. Sexual promiscuity is rife in this culture. Boys are encouraged to spread their wings and become sexually active from the age of around 10, sometimes even younger. There's a whole coming-of-age ceremony. It goes for a couple of weeks. It's run once a year. And the boys of age, they they all go from the village. They all go on it together. But for the few believers in these villages, they don't want their boys buying into this. This isn't what the Lord Jesus says about how to live. But everyone else is doing it. Everyone else has been doing it. They've always done it. Everyone else's boys are becoming men. Can you imagine the humiliation for the families? and for their boys, amongst all the other boys. There are so many pressures that these believers face, from the Islamic leaders, the witch doctors. Christians are massively outnumbered in these places. They're not just the minority. They're the scorned, ridiculed, hated minority. Our friends live over there to help them to keep following Jesus and to grow more followers of Christ. We went over there to encourage our friends in this hard place. But they say we were just as much if not more encouraging to the local believers. Not because we were somehow super spiritual. Not because we had some, you know, brilliant new message to tell them. But simply because we were there. Because it showed them, these few believers, that there were people from a whole other country who believed in the same things they did. There were people from Australia, for crying out loud, who knew about them and were praying for them it showed them they weren't alone and it gave them courage to keep going in their faith in Christ. Friends, how about you? You ever felt small or insignificant when it comes to believing in Christ? We're here together on a Sunday morning. There's more than 100 of us. Once a week, we get to feel something, don't we? Of the encouragement of being together in number. But but what about during the week? What about when you're at work? or when you're at the bowls club? What about when you feel like you're the odd one out because, you know, you're not the one who's sleeping around or you're not the one who's swearing or you're not the one who's complaining about your boss at work and in just about every conversation you feel like the odd one out and it's because you're the loser. Or maybe when you're at family functions, you know, you're the only Christian in your family and they realise I don't mind needling you about it. Laughing at your beliefs, poking fun at you being the religious one in the family. Though sometimes it's more than just having a laugh, isn't it? And you can be at the end of some very bitter insult. Or maybe even just watching the news or listening to the radio. And you can feel the rising tide of anti-Christianity swell up in our culture. Increasing workplace restrictions on what you can and can't say about what you believe. The threat of scripture being taken out of our schools. Abortion laws being rushed through our parliament. Everywhere you look, you can see our country running away from Christ and and you sit there and you wonder, where does this end? Seriously, where is Australia going to be in 10, 20, 30 years' time? If you ever feel like following Jesus is small and you're wondering whether it's worth it, Hear what God is saying to you today. Having your hope and faith in Christ is the most fantastic thing you could ever do. That's what God says. It's something that God himself treasures about you. It's something that God himself has worked within you. And you're not the only one. God is at work all over the world bringing people to Christ. You are not alone. I went to Africa and saw fellow believers there. God is still at work all over the planet. From Cambodia to Canada. From Saudi Arabia to Spain, can you believe it? Even from Dunedin to Dubbo. God has been at work in every generation for the past 2,000 years. Millions upon millions upon millions of people have lived and died with their faith in Christ. And one day, the Lord Jesus himself will come and gather all of his people from every nation, from every generation And we will all step into eternal life with God forever. So be encouraged that you are part of all of this. I thank God for you. Because I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And your love for all God's people. We pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your work in bringing people to Christ. And, Father, we pray that each and every one of us here, we would have our faith in him. Thank you for the hope that you bring, the certainty of eternal life. Father, help us to love one another well, to help each other to keep our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, and we ask it in his name. Amen.